630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly. Dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Eskimos. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, ho, ho, ho. Christmas is coming. And hey, a little bit of gift of a gift from the Edmonton Oilers last night. A come from behind victory in St. Louis over the Blues, one of the teams which has pushed the Oilers around a lot over the last few years. The Oilers have won three straight against St. Louis. How about that? And it all started thanks to a big goal from the big rig. Patrick Maroon feathers a pass to the middle of the ice. Nugent Hopkins in over the line. A little give and go with Brandon Davidson. Now Nugent Hopkins trapped in the right corner. Tarasenko could not get it out. Dry subtle shot score! And Edmonton's tied the game. Patrick Maroon with a deflection of Brandon Davidson. Shot from the point. Maroon tying it in the third. Ryan Nugent Hopkins winning it in overtime. The Oilers taking it 3-2. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6 30 Ched. It is 6.07, and that's a win that's going to stand out for the Oilers last night. Not just because of who they beat and how they were able to beat them, but a pretty cool moment on Sportsnet after the game. The goal was uh, great, but I wonder what you think of this reaction uh, by your son and family. It's pretty cool. Um, pretty emotional, but pretty cool, but I don't get to see him as much, Ed. It's pretty special. Yeah, and he thinks that of you as well. Hey, Patrick, thanks a lot. Christmas is on the way. More time with Anthony. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. One of those voices, obviously, Patrick Maroon. The other one belonging to our first guest. It is uh, our old friend, Gene Principe, checking in tonight from Sportsnet. Gene, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? Do we have Gene? Gene, let's try that again. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Can you hear me, Reed? Yes, sorry. I uh, I had a computer malfunction, meaning I hit the wrong part of the screen on the mouse. So, uh, anyway. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, thanks for making time for me. Man, that, uh, that interview is getting a lot of play, as it should, all over social media, uh, Gene. And, and thanks for coming on to, to, to share that experience with us. Uh, I mean... Um, just what was going through your mind? I mean, you, you knew, obviously, Patrick was going to see the video. He hadn't had it, but I'm, I'm guessing you were... Well, how did you feel when, when he reacted that way? Well, you know, Reed, um, you know, like a lot of times with guests, um, you know, if you have somebody in studio or on the phone, you say, hey, listen, we're going to... Hey, I want to talk to you about this and this. Just give you a heads up, right? Okay. And, I, I mean, it was a natural to, to talk about the goal because it was a big goal, and... You know, for anyone who had been watching the game, we spent a lot of time uh, discussing the Maroons, and we had uh, a cute little interview with his son Anthony in the second intermission. So it was it was a storyline throughout the night. So to, to wrap it up, it, it it appeared to be appropriate to talk to Patrick, and I said to him just before we started, I said, "Hey, listen, you know, we're going to show your goal, and we're going to show you know your family and your son reacting." He's like, "Yeah, no problem," and and I you know I truly believe he thought no problem, but then you see it. 
and you see this little guy who you know who you you love dearly who lives in St. Louis. You live in Edmonton, and you, you know you don't get to see him nearly uh, enough. And suddenly, I think it just whoa! It just overwhelms you, and you can't. Not that you need to control yourself. Uh, you don't have to be rough and tough and act like, oh, you know, no big deal. And he just reacted the way he did. And, uh, you know, I, I felt I felt partially bad for him because, well, I just you hate to see people cry. But I, I also knew that he'd had a great uh, time with him the day before when Edmonton arrived. And, you know, it was such a proud moment for him to score that first goal against his hometown team and have his family there and have his son cheering him on. I mean, it was... I know it felt more like tears of sadness, but I know there was there was joy in there as well to have had such a special moment and have so many people he loves, um, you know, starting with his son, there to enjoy it with him. Have you talked to him since then, Gene? I did. I talked to him today, but I, I felt kind of... I felt like I wanted to just sort of leave him alone and give him some space. I just didn't... Uh, you know, I talked to him after the game uh, last night, and I think we have to make... Uh, Patrick, an honorary uh, Canadian, because he said, "I'm sorry for crying," and I, you know, we we apologize for everything, even when it's it's not our fault. Um, and I said, "Well, I'm sorry because I, you know, I didn't." It was a fantastic moment, but it's not a moment that um, I, that I thought would necessarily happen. Um, so we were both apologizing to each other, and then I spoke to him today just briefly, and he was he was very uh, gracious both after the game last night on the plane just just thanking us as in Sportsnet for, you know, making it, uh, you know, I, I don't, not, not more special for him, but just to have spent time with his son and to have shown his family. And it just was, uh, you know, a great moment for, you know, a guy that Edmontonians are starting to find out is a pretty great guy as well. Well, and I mean, if not for that moment, maybe he never sees his, his son's reaction or maybe he doesn't see it for a few days or, or later on in the season. So, the, the, yeah, it was part of the story like it you know usually it's just goal and reaction from your teammates or you right but this was was very different and i think you know the heartstrings are who who doesn't you know love a cute engaging friendly eight-year-old boy who uh you know who loves his who loves his dad and his dad loves him right back so it's it's uh you know bigger than the, it's bigger than the game it's about that thing they call life Gene Principe joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. It's 612. Gene, you do, I mean, multiple interviews every day. You do many uh, live uh, during the actual broadcast of hockey or the many other sports that you've covered. Uh, do, you, do you have a comparison to, to the Maroon interview in terms of an emotional athlete or somebody who just couldn't hold it together regardless of whether it was happy or sad during, during an interview? Yes, uh, your good friend and mine, Morley Scott, reminded me of that uh, today because uh, I, I'll have been in TV for 30 years as of March, and it looks like about every 15 years, either someone cries uh, that I've made them cry or they just get emotional. In uh, 2001, the under-19 uh, soccer championships, the ladies uh, and Reed, I'm not, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you were in Edmonton at that time, but I know you were somewhere in Alberta. And you remember how the ladies took the the sport by storm, and there were fifty plus thousand people, uh, you know, showing up at Commonwealth Stadium to watch Aaron McLeod and uh, Christine Sinclair, 
and the ladies, young ladies, uh, really capture our hearts for soccer. And in the final, uh, Christine, who you know was just named the, the Women's Soccer Player of the Year in Canada, she's still going strong and is you know uh, one of the top goal scorers and soccer players ever in women's soccer. She missed the chance to win the game, uh, to win the match against the USA. So I'm working sidelines and I'm getting an interview with her, and I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it were if it were a pro athlete making millions, I think it's an automatic that you you need to ask it. Uh, but here's a young girl who's you know basically an amateur player, uh, and I think do I ask it or not? So I asked her about it. She started crying. So you know, and I felt terrible about it. Um, so in in a way, it's a little bit different than than Patrick's. Uh, you know, sort of in the same ballpark, but a bit different. And so. She started crying, and well, it was uh, you know I felt bad for her. And uh, as uh, you and I both have bosses, and one of my immediate bosses thought that it was not he wasn't harsh, but he was kind of like you know I don't think you should have asked it for those reasons I mentioned. She's young, uh, she's really, you know an amateur. Uh, it's not you know I didn't think it was the right thing to do. Uh, my other boss said it was the total right thing to do because everybody at home was who'd watched the game was thinking that like I didn't say like how did you miss but you know what happened on that play because she's a great goal scorer and she missed a, a gimme um, so you know to this day I think both of my bosses were right uh, you know I, I, I think that uh, it was one of those scenarios that uh, you know both could uh, could argue their case and make a good one so that would be the other time that I had an athlete uh, you know cry uh, I've had emotion and, and that, but never like last night and never like uh, that night back in 2001. So a couple moments that really stand out. Gene Principe from Sportsnet joining us inside Sports on 630. Chad, you know, Gene, it's, it's interesting because a, a lot of fans and, and those of us in the media who do the interviews, we often say we wish players showed a little more personality sometimes in interviews or, or sometimes expressed a little more emotion Yet when we get it, we're, we're almost surprised or shocked, or sometimes the athlete gets criticized as a result. I mean, I remember Richard Sherman for the Seattle Seahawks after the NFC Championship game about three years ago. I mean, he basically went on TV and said he hates Crabtree, right, who was playing for the yeah. 49ers yeah. at the time. And just yeah. basically, I mean, basically he said, you you know what you know what Crabtree and you know in in that interview yeah. so I mean that's that's the interesting thing about our jobs we're we're always wondering well how can I get the best possible answer but then when sometimes yeah. a guy really gets emotional you're almost taken aback by it yeah I mean I was I you know at first I was I, I was a little bit surprised like right off the bat and I'm talking maybe two three seconds but then you know the dad and me. Uh, kind of took over the broadcaster and me and I and I you know this is a lot to sort of put it encapsulate in a couple of seconds but I thought of me being him and I thought of that being one of my kids and I thought of the scenario of being away and it didn't take me long to go you know what that's not necessarily the right reaction but uh, a reaction that makes sense and so it, it, you know, it, 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 I, I must admit, and, and it's funny because I think, Reed, of years ago, um, there must have been so many interviews that were one and done and got played and see you later, and there was very little chatter. But now with social media, as you mentioned off the top, I have been amazed at the amount of tweets, retweets, likes, all those things that have occurred 
to to this interview. Um, it's it's been amazing, and and I, <laughs> you know what, Reed, honestly, ninety nine percent of the guys that do my job and your job would have asked basically the same uh, set of questions. You know, on the win, on the goal, on the reaction. It's it's not like I you know pulled out some great question. It was more about the response. And it was more about him really showing his true feelings. Here's this big, burly, tough, rough uh, hockey player um, acting like one of us. And uh, sometimes we forget that they are one of us. And so I was just so happy for Pat that he had such a, such a great night with his family and that they were there to enjoy this with him and that in a few days' time he'll be back with Anthony and, and they'll get a chance to, to catch up and talk about the game and, and just be father-son over the holidays. Gene, before I let you go, we should just get a comment on the performance of the team on the ice here. Now 17-12-5 on the season. I'm going to play some clips from uh, after practice today where they seem pretty determined to finally figure out this Arizona Coyotes team. I mean, you're you're around them uh, every, every day because you travel as well, which which I do not. Do you sense a different level of resolve with this year's Oilers than maybe some of the struggling teams in years past? Yeah, for sure, Reed, and I and I, uh, you're around them a lot too, and you you know it, you can feel it, you can see it, you can hear it, um, and you can understand it when things like last night happen. Listen. Uh, St. Louis got that 2-1 lead, and you're thinking, you know, they're either going to add to it in the past, or they'll just they'll nurse this thing home. Uh, no pun intended, Darnell. In case you're listening, and oh, it'll be you know kind of game set and match, and it'll be another tough loss, but good try uh, in St. Louis. But it really isn't the same type of team that it that it has been before, and so that's why circling back to the first part of your you know comment about Arizona. I mean, the Oilers, um, you know, Jordan Eberle is the only guy left from a team that won in regulation back in January of 2011. I mean, I think some of them don't really understand it and, and don't care about it because they're so new to it, but I think the more often it gets mentioned, the more it starts to kind of stick in your brain, and uh, you know, Todd McClellan was, was discussing that, and you know, this competitive guy and wants to win, and he doesn't want to hear about this again when they meet. Um, so I know they would like to put this baby away, and Connor McDavid nearly did when they were last in here on November 25th, another, what, half a second or 0.2 of a second, and uh, the streak uh, would would kind of, you know, it'd still be alive because it would have got a point, but right. I think the victory would have made it feel different. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, sure that they're, I'm sure that they're looking at, at putting it uh, to bed, and, I mean, they're playing well. Uh, Arizona's, you know, has been struggling and finds himself... Uh, you know, close to the bottom, but Mike Smith has been stealing some games when they have been uh, victorious. And I do want to just say, in case this is my last comment with you on this interview, Reed, you do a very good job of humanizing um, your show. And, uh, you know, I, we, you and I were talking about Jen Kish the other day and uh, her being on the show and talking about the Olympics. And, you know, we get caught up with plus minus, and I don't know anything about Corsi, but I guess other people do, and analytics and all that other stuff. In the end, they're just people. And a lot of them are really good people, so it's nice to see something and hear something and feel something about them that we sometimes, uh, you know, unfortunately never get to. Gene, really appreciate that, and it's always great to have you on the show. You have absolutely never made me cry, but there's still time, right, buddy? 
<laughs> we got lots of time. I'll see you right after the holidays. By the way, Merry Christmas, uh, you know, to you and uh, all your listeners. I hope everybody uh, has a great few days and uh, spends time with family, as we've been speaking about, and uh, just has uh, has a great time with the ones they love. Merry Christmas, Gene. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care, Reed. That's one of the good guys, Gene Principe from Sportsnet, checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Chat. I, I, I just love Gene's description of what he's thinking in the, in the, in the seconds that he's going through that interview. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, he described it too, a tough situation he was in as a reporter with Christine Sinclair about 15 years ago. Teenage athlete, an amateur, how direct or indirect are you with the, the line of questioning? And as Gene said, he heard a compliment from one boss and kind of a criticism from another one. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. You can talk about uh, the Gene interview with Maroon, some others, Oilers comments as well. We're going to get to some clips from after practice today in uh, Arizona. And Chris from Phoenix is going to be next on the line when we get back. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. guitar riff. That's a beauty. Ken Reed, Sportsnet anchor, used to work here in Edmonton. He's going to tell some stories later on in the show. I think uh, he saw Guns N' Roses recently. We'll probably wind up talking about that. And Ken has that book out called One Night Only. Heroes of 2016 later tonight with Stephanie Labe, bronze medalist in women's soccer. You can text 630-630. Just had Gene Prince pay on discussing his uh, interview with Patrick Maroon last night. One texter simply says, best interview ever. Somebody else says, Patrick Maroon crying made him more of a man to demonstrate his love for his son publicly only shows how big-hearted he really is. 780-496-0063. It's Chris from Phoenix on the line. Chris, are you going to the game tomorrow? Actually, uh, I'm going to try to get through this uh, this phone call not being emotional. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm not going to go to that game tomorrow because... Uh, I don't want to be a jinx to the Oilers. I want the Oilers to win. It seems like I haven't seen the Oilers win in person forever. So it's all been uh, your fault. Okay. Pat, before I get to Patty Maroon, uh, <laughs> Oilers are looking good. The power play, I know I called in uh, last week and or the week before and uh, criticized the power play. power play is looking phenomenal. I'm loving it. Uh, wouldn't mind seeing uh, Brandon Davidson more on the power play to uh, utilize that bomb. Uh, dry sidle, what, wow. Um, this is the kid that we've been waiting for. Like, yeah, uh, McDavid is, is the best player in the NHL, and we all love him. But McDavid is a compliment, is, is a perfect compliment to to uh, McDavid. When we drafted him, we uh, we all fell in love because it's, here's a, finally a center with size. I am glad that we did not uh, uh, waste him on the wing. Keep him at center. The guy is driving, driving his line. Um, to all the, the naysayers, we traded Taylor Hall saying that we don't have another driver. We have a driver. His name is, uh, is Dreisaitl. The guy has been clutch these last uh, 20 or so games. So, so good on that. And I, I don't mind having uh, Nugent Hopkins on, uh, on, one of his, on one of his wings. I think Nuge deserves to get some gravy time. Uh, you know my feelings about Nuge. The guy is, I think he's a great hockey player. He, his two-way game has has been remarkable. Uh, just just the fact that you know here here's a player that came in the league and was a scorer, was a guy that produced points, and then he he completely turned his game around because he realized that he needed that 200-foot game. So I have no problem with uh, with him being on the wing. And as for Pat Maroon, like 
uh, I can relate to Pat just because I have I have uh, two boys that uh, that live far away from me, and I haven't heard the interview. I just heard that clip, and he has just instantly become my favorite Oiler, and uh, <laughs> I hope he's I hope he's there for uh, for a long time. And there is there is no shame as a father showing love and having tears in your eyes. And I had and, and I'm going to be honest, I had tears in my eyes that little clip it, uh, that you guys had and uh, what, a, what, a, what a great thing to, to hear uh, there's nothing wrong with an athlete showing emotion and especially when it comes to your kids because a father's love is, is one of the greatest things in the world and I will leave, leave it on that and let's go Oilers let's kick some Coyote butt tomorrow Chris, hope to hear from you tomorrow night. That is Chris from Phoenix. The lines today at practice, and of course these are always subject to change, McDavid between Lucic and Eberle, Dreisaitl centering Maroon and Nugent Hopkins. That's how they lined up today. Latestu with Hendricks and Cassian, Kajula, Pouliot, and Puglia-Yarvi. And I would suggest the Latestu, Hendricks, and Cassian line would indeed be the Oilers' third line rather than the Kajula line. Taylor Beck, the extra forward. We'll see if they stick with those for the game Tomorrow, Tyler Pitlick, uh, Todd McClellan did the interview after practice, did his interview after practice, and he said Pitlick likely to head back to Edmonton, and uh, as you've heard by now, not looking good for what appeared to be like a left leg injury. He'll likely be out long term. Elvis is next up on the phone lines. A little bit of more discussion about dry sidle and maroon as well. We have open line 780-496-0063. i got to get to the scoreboard too. Busy night in the NHL. All when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Islanders lead the Bruins 3-0 late in the second period. Also 3-0 for the Preds over the Devils late in the second period. After the first period, the Ducks and the Canadians are tied 1-1. Two minutes left in the second in Pittsburgh. The Penguins with a 3-1 edge over the Rangers. Blue Jackets one, Kings nothing. Four minutes left in the second period. After one, the Lightning with a one nothing edge over the Red Wings. Panthers lead the Sabers one nothing after the first. Late in the first, the Wild are up one nothing on the Avalanche. More games to come later, including the Flames and the Sharks. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad, great to have you along for the ride. We have our old buddy Elvis on the line. Hello, Elvis. Hey, how's it going, bud? Enjoying the show, and and you know what, I. I... I have to agree with everybody that's called in. I watched the interview of the young of uh, Patrick's son last night, then I watched his interview, and uh, right at Christmas time, of course, to choke up a dad and all that other fun stuff, and it's just uh, it was totally amazing. But I did want to touch on on uh, one other thing, Reed, uh, really quickly. Everyone's talking about uh, the the call on or the call lack of the call on Connor McDavid and the slashing that that happened and the hooking or whatever. Or some people call it a tap tap. Right. Uh, look what happened to Johnny Goodrow, and I, for the life of me, I can't understand it. The NHL has probably one of the best marketing tools they're ever going to have, and I don't know how long in Connor McDavid. And if they just called the rule book the way the rules are written, it, it would be fine. But you watch come playoff time, how will it even get worse? Well, it, it's pretty clear to me that a foul from behind on a breakaway that results in a player not getting his shot away should be a penalty shot. And that was more of an infraction than what Weidman did to allow McDavid to have a penalty shot in the home opener, I thought. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I watched it, and I, re- I, I thought, I'm going to rewind this. I'm going to rewind. I PVR. I, I watched every, everything. I love it. Uh, and I watched, and, and it, it, there, was, there was two slash, two, if you, whatever you want to call it, two slashes and, and a hook. And, and, and I watched that, and I'm just watching all the stuff that they're doing. And if they don't, like, like I said, they've got one of the best products uh, in the NHL, and, and I don't know how long, and people are watching. Like, I, I'm listening, I listen to your guys' show, and I hear people calling in saying that people all over the, like, just the different people you guys interview, different guests that you have on the show, and they're talking, oh, yeah, people, people are watching. It reminds me of when Gretzky used to go from town to town, and people would get excited and tune in and there'd be uh, media scrums and all that stuff. Let this guy play. Call the rule book. Do it, do it the way it should be. And not just for him, for everybody, for all these young stars, Matthews, everybody. And, I mean, um, Edmonton, we are blessed. Dreisaitl and McDavid, are they not leading at, as a tandem in the NHL? Top, top tandem? Uh, well, right one now? guy's first and one guy's 11th, so, yeah, they probably would be. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's crazy, and and McClellan is messing around with everything, and I love it because he's finding stuff. Like like last night, Nuge looked great, and he like your previous caller said he deserves. You know, like he's he's been so patient, and he's played these systems, and and I'm just finally happy to see things starting to roll around. And I love the show, Reed. Keep it up, bud. Yeah, Keep I love up. when you call Elvis. Good to talk to you, Matt. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Before I get to Ray, a couple of texts I want to read to six thirty six thirty. This person says, sign your first name if you remember, by the way. He says, I think Maroon just showed what he is all about. He has a heart, plays a two-way game, and the other guys are starting to pick up on that attitude. And Robin LaDuke says, I like to think of myself as pretty tough. However, after Maroon's reaction, both on TV and radio, caused me to shed tears at least three times. I truly think this has hit a chord with thousands, if not many of thousands of folks. That is from Rob in Leduc. Well, I think at the end of the day, we all like our athletes to have a little bit of personality at, at the right time. I mean, sometimes they get picked apart for being too dry, too safe. Sometimes they get picked apart for, uh, you know, going overboard or, or showing too much emotion or losing their cool. Uh, I mean, I think Maroon's reaction was uh, appropriate and obviously resonates with, with a lot of people. Ray on the line as well. Ray, thank you for calling. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm just voted to say a little comment about myself. It shows you get old when you listen to talk radio a lot. Sports 24-7 almost. Uh, anyways, the comment about the Rexo Rogers place I have is I love it. Uh, the only complaint I have is it's so loud during the intermission and uh, when there's a stoppage in play. Like, you got to yell to talk in that place. It's ridiculous. Oh really? Okay. Well, sometimes I see some of the folks with OEG, so I can I can pass that along, Ray. Uh, where where do you go to all the games, or have you been to a few? Well, I've been. I got a. I, I bought a mini pass. I can't afford a season ticket, but I'd love to sit where the railings are with the stools. But I can't afford that right now. Okay. So I got a mini pack. Up and, in, um, in the upper deck. Yeah. Okay. But I have a friend that sits down the lower bowl. And he says it's just as loud down there too. Yeah, well, I've, uh, you're not the first person to say that. I, ha- I haven't found it that loud for myself. Uh, now, I'm pretty high. I'm almost at the roof. Um, I've found it cold, I, I, and, and I've heard the higher you are, the colder you are. Are you, are you cold where you sit? Yeah, I found it a little cool, and I'm almost at the top, too, and uh, I found it very loud. Like, the speakers are probably 30 feet above my head. Okay. 
and uh, like I say, it's very loud. And and uh, but I do love the place. I wish there's more bathrooms in the peasant seats, but that's what you get for. What you, the only way they could have changed it is to have less seats and uh, and more bathrooms. And but I have no complaints about the building other than that. And well, I like rock music, so uh, <laughs> just don't bother me at all. Well, Ray, it's good to have feedback. I mean, pe- people listen and they and they want to hear stuff. And obviously, you're reasonable. I mean, there there are some things that that can be changed, right? I mean, they they never have said, okay, it's going to open and be perfect. So it it is good to hear from you. What did you think of the game last night? Well, I didn't watch it. I was at the movie. I won a free pass through you guys. Thanks a lot. Oh, good. Okay. But I seen the the interview with uh, got his name all of a sudden. Maroon. Uh, but it was yeah, it was a pretty tear-jerking interview, and it's it's too bad that what's his face like I'm bad with names. It's too bad he got hurt that guy because Pitlick. he tried for years to make this team, and he finally makes it, and then he gets hurt. Yeah, that's tough for Pitlick, and uh, I mean the Oilers are are deeper than they have been in a long time. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're deep enough, and that's and that's tough. I mean, Kajula and Puliyarvi, some of their play has been a little up and down, but they're both going to have to play now. Hendricks is going to have to stay in, so uh, yeah, they're they're going to need some guys to to be a little more consistent. I think. And I just have one more comment, and then I'll let you go. Sure. The, the officiating in hockey in the last few years, I, I find a lot of the games very boring. Where it's there's low scoring. They supposedly after the strike. Um, we're going to call more things. Now you don't know what they're going to call from game to game. Uh, some guy will get, get touched by the with the stick and there's a hooking penalty. Years ago when Gretzky played, people were getting killed and there was no penalties called. Now game to game, they're, you don't know what's going to be called. And I find a lot of the hockey boring now. There's no fighting. and I know you don't have to kill someone, but there's no retribution for nailing McDavid or Dreisaitl or or whoever a star hockey player is in hockey, and I find a lot of the hockey boring nowadays. Ray, did you hear Phil Esposito on this show on Friday? Yeah, I thought he was a little old school, though. I thought, you know, it's, it's a little? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought he was a pretty old school, and yeah, I don't think we need to go back to those eras, but like Jerry, he says, uh, you know, the instigator rule is a joke, and I, I agree, because there's no contribution for when you take a guy's head off in hockey anymore. It just skates away. Ray, thanks for calling, man. It's good to hear from you. Okay, take care. That is Ray at 780-496-0063. Before I get to uh, Wally on the line, I might as well do this. Pistol Pete texts in. He says, can you play the Maroon clip again? Imagine some people missed it or haven't heard it. Here's Maroon with Gene last night. The goal was uh, great, but I wonder what you think of this reaction uh, by your son and family. It's pretty cool. Um, Pretty emotional. But pretty cool, but I don't get to see him as much. Ed, it's pretty special. Yeah, and he thinks that of you as well. Hey, Patrick, thanks a lot. Christmas is on the way. More time with Anthony. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. So there it is if you missed it or wanted to hear it again. 780-496-0063. We have Wally on the line. Hello, Wally. Hey, how's it going, bud? Doing well. Uh, haven't called in talked to you in a while, so almost missed you. That's okay. It's good to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's just good to see the improvement. Like I'm, I'm a lifelong Ottawa fan who happens to live here, and all my coworkers are born and raised people who live and breathe on the Oilers, and I can see it in their faces every time there's a game, whether they win or lose, just how happy they are that the compete level is there. You know, 
they, they, there's good, they've laid only like probably what you think what three eggs this year yeah probably two or three for sure and they've yeah. had two or three kind of quote unquote easy wins I would say yeah so just the overall compete level and the fact that you know to coincide with the new building the team is, is finally better you know they're what third place in the division yeah, they have the same number of points as San Jose and Anaheim, but those teams have games in hand. So, yeah, they're a little behind on points percentage. Yeah, so it's just it's good to see for the city. And, and, and Pat Maroon's story, you know, just puts like a cherry on top. But it's just, and like, just to reiterate with Pitlick, it's just too bad for the young kid. I actually remember I met his dad and met Pat when he, uh, Tyler Pitlick when he was a little kid. When I was living in Ottawa, oh, no I remember way. his dad. What was that like? Well, I don't remember obviously talking to, it, to Tyler then, but Lance was—he was one of those steady guys who but he could throw a hit. All right, Wally. Lance, th- thanks for calling, buddy. We appreciate it. That's Wally at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers and Coyotes, by the way, coming up tomorrow. 6 o'clock for the face-off show. The game will start at 7.30 right here on 6.30, Chad. Then the Oilers play the Sharks on Friday, final game before Christmas. Uh, phone lines are open if you want to jump in. You can text 6.30, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about Patrick Maroon because he said some interesting stuff today that I think you're going to like as well. Different tone than what he said last night. And uh, some thoughts on Leon Dreisaitl too. It's Inside Sports on Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Don't have a problem with the way that young man is playing this season. Picked up the win last night. Oilers 17-12-5 on the year. I mean, just, just think already through 34 games what's happened with this team. I mean, they started 7-1. and one. They had a five-game losing streak. They, uh, you know, they they uh, they went into Dallas and scored a bunch of goals. McDavid got a hat-trick. They've gone to overtime in six of their last nine. You know, they, they lost uh, the overtime game in, in Buffalo. Then they lost the next night in Philadelphia, late goal in regulation time. And people were wondering, oh, my God, they can't win a close game. Now they win in a shootout. They win in overtime. I mean, there's, there's been so many interesting things to talk about already this season, and it's not even half over. And the best part is they're right in the thick of a playoff spot right now. So that's pretty cool. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Rob on the line. Hey, Rob. Hey, Reed. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Excellent. Uh, been a season seat holder for 10 years. Uh, my first year was the 06 Cup run, so I've been uh, through the peak and then the, the valley since. Uh, I'm a fan, and, and I'm so happy with the team right now, and I'm looking ahead at the schedule. I mean, we got uh, uh, Arizona and then San Jose, two big games. You know, we got the Curse of Arizona, the San Jose Divisional Rivalry, and then what, we got two games at home, L.A. and Vancouver before New Year's, right? Yes. Now, what does it mean to take, let's say we take five out of the next eight points okay. going into the new year? What does that mean to you? Okay, well, let me just do this here uh, quickly. So that just mathematically, that would mean 44 points in 38 games, right? Yeah. So that's flirting with a 100-point season. Uh, that pace. I mean, I think, I mean, look, I, I look at tomorrow's game and I think you got to win that game. You, you got to win that game. Arizona's not doing well. They have Smith. They haven't been doing much else very well. You got to win that game. And I think you got to jump over Vancouver on New Year's Eve. San Jose is going to be a challenge because they're a good team. 
And then the thing that worries me about the Kings game is it's your first game after a break, right? Yeah. If they could take three out of four, then I think that's really good. Um, five points is, is adequate, I think, four or less. Quite frankly, with my expectations now for this team, I'd be a little disappointed if it were four or less. What about I you? I think the, the emotion running with the team right now, and I mean, regardless of, of how you look at it, that Maroon thing last night has to inspire a bunch of boys in that locker room. And and I think they got a reason to play, and I think if the fans can get behind them the way that we can when things are going good, I, I'm saying look out, buddy. Well, I think they're just a tighter team in general. And, and I'm not just talking about guys getting along or whatever, but, but I just mean I think they're, they have that attitude where it's like, okay, wait a minute, we're behind. Take a deep breath. We know how to play. Just calm down and go out there and do it. And I think that's what happened after the first period yesterday. They were like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, a couple of kind of weird goals. Talbot fell on the second one, right? So let's just calm down, do what we do well, and... Like McClellan always says, Rob, the game comes down to five or six shifts. You just don't know which ones they're going to be. And so I think they have that attitude. It doesn't matter whether we score an important goal early in the second period or late in the third. The impact is the same, so let's just go up there and stay patient and try to get it. That's what I notice. And I think uh, I think Trelly may have said it in an interview a couple weeks back. He talked about harvesting points. I, I love that. that. I love that. The key, the key difference this year is we're getting that one point instead of losing it in the last minute. We're getting it to overtime. We're pushing it, right? And that accounts for probably nine points already this year at least, right? Well, I know. And then the overtime losses earlier this month were disappointing. But then when you come back and win a couple, now all of a sudden they're 5-2-3 and three in their last 10. doesn't look so bad. Yeah, feeling pretty good. Some Christmas spirit in the team. Thanks, Rob. 780 We have Terrence on line three. Hi, Terrence. Hi, how's it going? Doing very well. Uh, that's good. Um, uh, sorry, just wanted to talk about, like, just the overall feel of the team. Like, I've watched the Oilers for a long time now. And, like, last year I kind of noticed it, but, like, I've always thought that when the Oilers win they look more relieved than happy because of like previous uh, records but like you you see the reaction of the bench last night when Nuge scores and it's, it's a team that's happy with winning not relieved that they got a win and that's just like really nice to see as a fan well, I, I think maybe Terrence, there, there's a little bit of the doubt is creeping out. And look, it's not, it's not all attitude. You still have to have the ability, you have to have the coaching, you have to have the resilience. But I do think attitude helps. And, and I think anything you want to achieve in life, the first thing you have to do is convince yourself that you can do it. And I think they're starting to convince themselves that we have the talent and the system and the toughness to do it. And you're right. I love that shot of the bench. I think Cassian was going nuts, hugging everybody. Like they're, I think they're starting to figure out, like, wait a minute, it's, you're right. It's not a fluke if we win. We're legitimately good enough to win. Yeah, and that, like, it's supposed to be enjoyable to get the win, not, not like a responsibility, right? Like, like, we take the sport, like, pretty seriously, and it is, like, still a game, but. Like, it's nice to see that they finally look like a team and they're winning as a team and losing as a team. And, like, you, you bring up that it's more than just that. It's, uh, like, it, it does have to do with, like, the skill and the effort and the coaching. And, like, and I think that was the big thing. Like, last year, Todd McClellan's going into it blind. But this year, I think he has a better understanding of who's going and who's not. 
like if obviously we had that five game slump, but now it seems like if McDavid isn't going, McClellan knows like what combinations will will get the results if if like McDavid isn't going or Drysidle isn't going. Like we saw Nuge's line last night. Well, obviously Drysidle's on that line, but Maroon gets that goal and like it just seems like McClellan knows what sparks the guys now. Well, I think you make a good point because we often talk about the players getting used to the coach. The coach has to get to know the players too. Players have to get settled in, and maybe Secker is example number one of that. I mean, how good has he been the last twenty games? Yeah, exactly. Like, like you can tell that him and Russell are really working well together. Um, I just had one question for you. Sure. So, <laughs> uh, I was listening to the uh, the noon show with Bob, and he's. He did. Uh, he had Spectre on and asked Spectre about um, like his his Christmas wish for the team. Okay. And Bob said that his was a shooter for McDavid. So is that kind of like a hint of something to come? Hmm. I don't know if you know or not. Yeah, I I I, I haven't yet. heard much rumblings of the Oilers being involved in the trade market right now. And obviously, we got the Christmas freeze. I still think. You can never have enough defense. Yeah, <laughs> like I would, I would take a, I would take a another Adam Larson type with maybe a little bit of a better shot. That you know, that I'd, I'd be happy with that. Like Fowler or Stone or something. Or? Yeah, something like that. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Terrence. Okay. Well, thanks. All right, and we got uh, we're just into the final minute here before the news, but we got Linda holding as well. Go ahead, Linda. Hey, just want to say first time caller, but long, long, long time listener. Thank you. Um, we bleed the blue and orange in this family. We're season ticket holders. Well, we were full season for about ten years, and the last twenty years shared a season once kid number three came along. Um, so, so good that uh, Oilers are doing great this year. My middle daughter lives in Abu Dhabi and she listens to as many games as she can even though it's kind of in the you know, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes. Uh, and it's so good. That, I mean, they they never saw what we saw you know, with the the Gretzky days, Gretzky, you know, Curry, cement truck there. I mean, sure. you'll never see that again. But uh, different type of hockey and and it's good that my kids now have someone to cheer you know a team that they can well they were always proud of cheering for the orders but i mean it it's good to be rewarded um i've only got about 30 seconds linda so could you wrap up in 30 here go ahead i just want to say as far as rexall plays i did not renew my season tickets this year got two eight packs i freeze my ass off the whole game so I doubt if I'll get tickets next year. Like, I mean, I'm sitting there with my gloves on and my scarf and my jacket, which, you know, it, it's when you're colder in the in the seats and it is outside, it's, it's pretty bad. So, yeah. Um, and in the upper level, you try and get out onto that concourse during intermission and you're putting your life in your hands. There's no room to walk. So, unfortunate, you know, with, with some of the stuff that's at Rexall Place, I guess I'm... Old school, love the old barn still. All right, thanks, Linda. Good to hear thanks. from you. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Ken Reed, Stephanie Labbe. A little more on the Oilers still coming up. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.